Can't get enough wrestling talk? Well, check out Ringside Rant with top guys RJ and Justin, the kings of ranting. The new shows drop each Friday morning at 9 Eastern, and it'll take you back to the good old days of pro wrestling, but also the not-so-good days. Ringside Rant is available on all podcast platforms, as well as full press coverage, Wrestling with Johnners Network, and the Shining Wizards Network. You can also follow the show on Twitter at underscore ringside rant. It's ringside rant with RJ and Justin new shows drop Friday morning at nine Eastern. That's ringside rant with RJ and Justin, a couple of top guys doing top guy stuff. It's ringside rant with RJ and Justin new shows Friday mornings at nine Eastern. It's Friday. It's 9 a.m. You know what that means. Another great episode of the Ringside Rand is with you this week. And introducing your host, he is Cincinnati's favorite son, J.D. Justin Davis. And from Rochester, New York, he is the man with the magical voice. RJ! And as always, welcome to Ranters Nation. Welcome back to another episode of the Ringside Rant. I am the man with the magical voice, RJ. He is everybody's first round draft pick in their fantasy draft. JD, Justin Davis. Justin, what's up, man? I'm a great backup quarterback. I can hold the fucking clipboard real well. Well, good. You, you, well, you're a teacher. You're. I'm pretty sure you're used to holding clipboards and writing shit down, oh. all that jazz. So figure what the hell. But let's head up to Mr. Tony Schiavone with our introduction of the third man in the booth. It's Super Dave! All right, Dave, come on. Dave, welcome back, bud. How are you, man? Living the dream. How you boys doing? You know, the sun's finally showed. It stopped raining here in western New York. It was raining for the last space. Honestly, basically since I got back from uh, um, from Top Guy Weekend from Chicago there Sunday uh, Sunday evening. Got back about five. That's um, a sign from God saying they didn't want you back. I, I, hey, trust me, as soon as I walked, as soon as my kid walked in and my wife and my, and Gavin were yelling at each other, I'm like, I want to go back to Chicago. Please send me back to Chicago. Please send me back to Chicago. Um, no, but yeah, it, all in all works, works busy back to the, back to the, uh, day job, back to reality, I guess you could say. Um, but no, yeah, just looking forward to this episode. Um, this is one of the ones then when we, we decided to, you know, take this trip down memory lane for Dave anyways. Um, this is one of the ones I really, um, we really was looking forward to, uh, this is going to be the two out of three falls match between, uh, the champion, uh, the heavyweight champion, nature boy, Rick Flair taking on Kerry Von Eric, uh, August 28th, 1982, 18,000 in Dallas, uh, Dave, just before we get to the opening contest, just what's something that, you know, the build to this 
that you had when you uh, went to this uh, uh, venue? There's no build for me. I didn't yeah. want to go. Really? I mean, I mean, I knew that I knew that Ric Flair annoyed me on the Saturday night telecast, mm-hmm. and I'd like to see him get his ass whooped. But well, there there's go. no build for me. I don't have. I don't know any of the background. Sure. I mean, I knew who Ric Flair was because he mashed the annoying button and did his job, and I wanted to see him. And at that point, my brother wanted to go, and this was a deal where I didn't want to go. My mom made me take him. But Ric Flair and Kerry Von Erich were really the only two that I knew because of what I'd seen the interactions on Saturday Night Wrestling, and this was a Sunday night show. So that's what stood out to me when I was watching this with my brother the night before. Well, and, so and we're gonna I had no... I mean, by the time that they got to the ring, I was enjoying what I was seeing. But this is what... What happened in this match, I mean, they hooked me. I mean, I was in hook, line, and sinker. I felt the range of emotions. I was pissed. This is wrong. I yelled. So by the time we got to, you know, last week we watched we watched David and Kevin. That was the last match of the night. So, sure. I mean, I was already... I mean, I couldn't talk. I was—I yelled my throat out on this carry deal, and I mean, so by the time David and Kevin got in, I'm a wrestling fan now. I mean, I'm bought into this, so I don't have any. I mean, there's no build to it for me, other than just a small exposure of Rick doing his job and being very annoying, and me wanting to see Kerry whip him. Right. All right. Well, let's send it up to the opening contest to Mr. Rich Palladino. Let's get the, let's get the show on the road. It's the opening contest. All right, so like I said, this is the best two out of three falls. First fall, the uh, ring announcer, Mark Lawrence, uh, designated NWA Lawrence. referee Alfred Lawrence. Mark Lawrence. Lawrence, what did I say? Who is, now a, who is now a minister. Interesting. Kinda he was, going to, he was going to seminary while he was ring announcing yeah. uh, for, for World Class. And he was also the, he was actually the voice of World Class on Saturday Night Wrestling on the, on the Channel 11 broadcast. Bill Mercer did Dallas. Mark Lawrence did Fort Worth. But Mark Lawrence would do the ring announcing for the bigger events. Mm-hmm. So we, we, he designated Alfred Neely as the special referee for the match. Before we uh, get too far into really this, interesting. We want to tell everybody when and what year and where and everything this match happened. August 15th, 1982 at Reunion Arena. Which it aired, aired on the 28th, though. Right. It was a fairly new venue. It was... Um, it was built for the RNBA franchise, the Dallas Mavericks. Sure. So, I so mean, it wasn't the, meant to hold very many people at the time. I mean, it was a. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, the Mavericks 000, were pretty bad there around that time period. I think. Well, when you're new, you can get away with it. Is it nineteen thousand? <laughs> that, that's true. That's and there's true. lots of concert, and they they had concerts there, and the yeah. circus and Disney. I mean, all the all your staples that travel around the country. Right. It replaced the it replaced the um, the Dallas Convention Center, which was a much smaller venue. Mm-hmm. And then there was the Fair Park Coliseum, where I actually saw my first WWF event when they first time they came to Dallas, Hogan so versus the Sheik, and uh, it's a it was a fairly small venue as well. Used to um, used to home um, the minor league hockey team, the Dallas Blackhawks. Okay, so um, 
we didn't really cover this either, but for this show, this WCCW show, uh, at least on TV, there's only one match, right, RJ? And this is it. Yeah, yeah, and this is it. Yeah, because this is going to go for the majority. It will be going for the the, the whole show. Um, but a little context leading up to this, Carrie actually beat Harley Race at uh, Texas Stadium in in honor, or in, uh, excuse me, in uh, way to face Flair here for the title. Uh, best two out of three falls. Um, just one of those things that was there anybody really other at this time thinking back at it? And this is really for both Justin and, and you, Dave. Um, they could really do a two out of three falls match with Flair for the title, or was Kerry really the only guy? No, 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 it was two out of three falls were common for main events. Uh-huh. That was a common, they had two out of three falls television main event every Saturday night <clears throat> for television. Right. It was, I mean, that, that was not very, it was not uncommon to, for two out of three falls to be used. And right. it was a great storytelling tool. Harley Race, a lot of his defenses were two out of three falls where he would actually submit in, mm-hmm. a, in a fall explaining and the psychology was is that he would go ahead and submit if he was in a, a, a hold like say flair had him in figure four he'd go ahead and tap mm-hmm. we didn't call it tapping back then but he'd go ahead and submit mm-hmm. because he'd be fresh for the next fall you know because sure. he didn't lose it on one fall but he knew that if he stayed in the, he stayed in the hold it would damage him leading that he for a greater chance for him to lose the title yeah justin do you think that's just a way of being you know, strategic and in, in your in a match like that when you're you know called before you before you go out there, even when you're in the ring, do you think that's I, I, obviously you no know, modern day? You see a lot of the guys uh, currently that are doing it. That's kind of a lost art kind of thing as far as hey, let let me take the fall. Yeah, I mean, you know, back in these days, we did th- they did things a lot differently as far as that goes, and you know, when it comes to this. I believe I I watched this last week, so it's a little bit after Top Guy Weekend. It's a little bit foggy in my memory. I think a lot of things are foggy after Top Guy Weekend. Friday night at Top Guy Weekend definitely is. I I was almost in the Dave Miller situation Friday night, but I was able to walk back to my room without assistance, barely. Was that was that the night that you that we did, were you in the um the other room, or did you end up coming in with to my room? Uh, I was in your room. Okay. I couldn't remember when that started. It was probably Friday, Saturday. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let me give you a little background of how matches, how match formats worked back then. Sure. You would have, if you got a program, you get a program when you go to the matches and have them listed. And your opening contest was probably one fall with a 15-minute time limit. And it wasn't uncommon for the first match to go to a time limit draw. And sometimes they would even milk it for five more minutes. You know, the crowd would chant five more minutes, five more minutes, because it would be, you know, when the match was over. But you normally have a couple of one fall, 15 minutes. Then you go into the the card would elevate a little bit, one fall with a 30-minute. Then the semi-main might be one fall with a 45-minute. And then your main event was normally one fall with a 60-minute time limit or two out of three falls with a 60-minute time limit, depending on what the – what they were doing that week or you know so that was the structure and it wasn't like today where they're going to be out there and the match is going to be over in four minutes they're going to take it home in four minutes i mean normally your match would be a section of your television show 
Mm-hmm. And that was that was just how it was in, in the early 80s. It wasn't what we've been programmed to watch now. I mean, there were shorter matches for television, but, sure. I mean, Flair was out there for and throughout the Carolinas for hours. I mean, they were doing, they were doing hour broadways every night. That wasn't as common in world class, but you normally could count on, you could normally count on 30, you know, 30, 40 minute main events sometimes. Yeah. You know, the, the, the Dallas crowd here is really obviously behind carry, go carry, go throughout this, this, uh, this match, especially this first fall. Uh, was it really going back and watching it again for you, Dave and Justin watching it for the first time? Did you think more so for Justin, do you really think watching for the first time that, you know, Kerry had that possibility of up or be of beating. I don't want to say upsetting him, but um, just beating him for the title. Absolutely. I mean, if you look at Kerry, I mean, especially down there, super over, super believable. Um, I think everyone could, you know, see Kerry Von Erich winning the world title, and we would see that a few years after this. Um, I was just looking at this whole card, Dave. Now we only see. The Ric Flair Caravan Eric match. But this was Star Wars, correct? Yes. So the first match, we've got Jose Lothario defeating Frank Dusick. Now, uh, how was Jose, Jose Lothario for you kids? Say, yeah. For you kids, you might remember that that was Shawn Michaels' trainer, and they had him. At, he was with Shawn Michaels at ringside when he got the yeah. boyhood cheat, the boyhood dream, is but. <laughs> But Jose Lothario was a big deal in Texas wrestling. And, and just so Justin knows, too, he's the new EVP of talent. Just so just so Justin knows. Is Jose Lothario? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> asshole. Um, he, yeah. yeah. And, Captain, and, and Captain Frank Dusick would later come on. I mean, he, he was a, come from a wrestling family. He was related to Wally Dusick. Uh, yeah. He later became um, – he was Kerry's um, – he he seconded Kerry against Jerry Lawler at um, Super Brawl. I've in never Chicago seen him work, that match. I've never seen him work. I've heard a lot about him through Jim Cornette's show and stuff like that. If you that. watch a lot of '82, he was he did a lot in. Um, he fe- oh, I hate the dogs. Sorry for the dogs, y'all. I'm, I'm dog sitting there. We got a five man boot today. Everyone just we got a five man. That's that that's actually Buzz 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 Sawyer in the background. So. <laughs> They act a little bit better in Buzz Sawyer. Well, maybe. But you'll see you'll see Frank Dusick. As a matter of fact, you can go back and look at 1981. Star Wars was added to Peacock as a, as a category. Yeah. And uh, he Frank Dusick and Wild Bill Irwin, who later became the goon in WWF. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, and he was one of the super destroyers under a mask with his brother. But Frank Dusick and um, Bob Bill Irwin were part of a six-man against the Von Erichs at the at the Christmas Star Wars the year before. Gotcha. Uh, uh, David Manning, the referee, actually worked a program because because Frank Dusick picked on him a lot, and he felt like Manning was biased towards him, and they ended up having a match, um, uh, a gimmick match. So, I mean... Yeah. Ter- uh, Dusty Rhodes said that he puts Jose Lothario in his top five baby faces of all time. Uh, of course, he grew up watching him down there in Texas. Our second match was the Superfly defeated Brian uh, Adius. How do you say his name, Dave? Adias. Okay. Which would be butchered into Brian Adidas. 
Oh, nice. But it was a Dias, Brian a Dias. Uh, Brian went to Lake Dallas. He was a high school friend of Carrie's. And the Superfly was Kamala, right? Is that right or no? I think it was Tom Jones under a mask. I think that if I if I had, okay. I would have to look. Okay. Um, Tom Jones is not unusual to be in love with anyone. But that Tom Jones, right? Not that Tom Jones. Oh, oh no. damn it. Oh, son of a bitch. Uh, number three match, Al Madrill defeated Bill Irwin, who you just discussed. Alberto Madrill. Yeah. Lola Gonzalez defeated La Pantera Serena. Was the shits. Yeah. <laughs> I would imagine so. Number five, our fifth match is Bugsy McGraw defeated Gary Hart and Armand Hussein in a two-on-one handicap match. That oh, was I a remember... fun feud. That was the ha-ha. That, that was the goofiness. I remember Bugsy McGraw. He was on Looney Tunes. Uh, Should have been, probably. <laughs> our sixth match was for the tag team championship for the WCCW, the vaunted All-Asian Tag Team Championship. Where we, we would have Kevin and David Von Erich defeat the great Kabuki and Magic Dragon. Kabuki. And as we saw last week, that was the last saw, match of the yeah. night because you could see the fans piling out. Yep. Yeah. Okay, then the King Kong Bundy Harley Race match, which we saw last week as well. And then now the final, the main event, Ric Flair against Kerry Von Erich. I believe Rick was in his red here, Dave, if I remember right. Red robe, red tights. Is that right? No. Yeah, okay. Purple robe on. Yeah, purple. Oh, right? that's right. Purple. And then Carrie had on uh, white, or was it? I can't remember. Like I said, I watched this last week. I usually watch it the day before, and it's all fresh in my memory. I watched it again. I watched, I, I, I fast forwarded through a lot of it, but RJ had mentioned the purple robe, and I had to go back and look. Yeah. Just yeah. I, I couldn't remember which one he was talking about. Yeah, because I thought it was. Which one, is, which one was it? The light was it purple, just, right? It, oh, yeah, the light. Yeah. 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 All right. I just wanted to catch everybody up on what else was going on, which we saw some of it last week. But really, if you look at this card for Star Wars, I for the time period, I don't think it's a bad card, Dave. I mean, was it? How was it for you? Like I said, uh, looking back on it now on paper, it's even better than what I thought it was at the time. I was very yeah. impressed with Harley Race and King Kong Bundy. Um, uh, I, I remember Al Madrill. Al Madrill really got my attention. That might've been my first take notice of somebody. I can't really say that I was that way with Dusik and Ho Jose. I'm sure Jose seemed to, seemed uh, Jose was older by then. Yeah. Um, I think Al Madrill was the first person on that card that really captivated me. He would do this headlock and then he'd take his fist and he just real quick. Yeah. He called it, and I later learned he called it madrillization. Ooh, I'm gonna give someone that tonight. The madrillization. There you go. All right. Well, that's that's it, folks. I'll see you next week. Uh, but uh, and I feel bad for that person. <laughs> but but the energy of the crowd, I know I fed off of that. Yeah. I I was, I wasn't boo boo faced once I got there. And I'm sure by you just pissed off because you had to bring your little fucking brother. Yeah, but once we were there and I saw the enormity of it, I mean, I've always been open to trying things, and if that many people were into it, there might be something there that I'm missing. 
How so many think, people? I were think in I the... was into it open minded. There was eighteen, eighteen thousand, over eighteen thousand. Okay, yeah, that's a good crowd. That's a hell of a crowd, really. Yeah. I mean, we bought tickets and we were on the last row at the very top of the arena. So this is when his eyesights were good. <laughs> but you know, so this was this uh, venue brand new at the time. Did it come when the Mavericks came, or had it been in town for a while? They built it for the Mavericks. Okay, mm -hmm. so it's relatively so it's kind of state of the art at the time for as far as yeah, yeah, arenas are much yeah. nicer than what we were used to going to the Sportatorium or whatever. Yeah, well, the Sportatorium was not what you would call it, it was an old barn, right? Yeah. I mean. Sportatorium had history. Elvis mm -hmm. Elvis played there. Willie Nelson played there. The Jamboree, I mean, the, they had music jamborees, and I mean, everybody, it was anybody played Sportatorium. And then it was built for wrestling, though. Right. Yeah, it's a, a, lot, a lot of good storytelling during this first fall. You know, Carrie, Carrie's really selling his knee after Flair really picks it apart. Um, that, that's the one There's thing. There's a reason. That, I'm sorry, I don't mean to. No, and there's that, a reason uh, that Carrie's. The reason that his tower getting Kerry's knee is that Kerry had knee surgery yeah. as a result of as a result of Kabuki taking Kerry out mm -hmm. to catch a bounty. And it was later proved that Flair put the bounty on him. Right. So Kabuki making that money. Yeah. So and <laughs> the way they caught ride the jet for the weekend. <laughs> yeah. And I think they addressed the bounty. They addressed the bounty During after the this match building towards the rematch at reunion for Christmas because I think where they the way they caught him is that they found that they had somehow come up with the canceled check mm -hmm. that Flair wrote Gary Hart and Gary Hart said that he sold Flair a station wagon. And then he said it was a Cadillac and Cadillac didn't make station wagon, so they caught him in lie. It was I mean, I remember that's what stands out after all these years, is the the Cadillac station wagon lie. Somebody could but make that's a killer, the reason killer that, money. Could come up with that's the, the reason he was going money. after the knee. The yeah. knee was the knee was a focal point. Yeah. And then hey, my did brother, your mom and dad ever have a station wagon, Dave? No. Oh, no, my, my mom had an LTD. Oh, there you go. A white, a white four-door LTD. <laughs> I like those station uh, wagons with the wood panels on the side. They got that big back seat. See, that's my what I if you got to that part or not. My half-sister's mom had a station wagon, but it didn't have the wood paneling. Uh -huh. But I used to love to ride in the back of it. I yeah, and you, oh, face yeah. The, you face the other way, it looks like you're going back in back in yeah. time. Because we didn't sit in seats. I mean, I mean, I mean really, we the didn't have car seats. Wagon. I used to climb up in the back of the... I mean, I'd lay up in the back window. <laughs> fly my mom the station ride. wagon was the, uh, was the original party bus. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And, and, and for those and for those you for those of you that didn't don't realize it, Dave and his lovely wife Stephanie actually drove a station wagon to Top Guy Weekend. He was still in the back window when his <laughs> lovely wow. wife was wa driving. Uh, his lovely wife described to me their traveling uh, situation to get to Top Guy Weekend. And apparently, they rode eight planes through four states. I <laughs> Feels like it. Yeah, and that's this just is... on the way back, you said, right, Dave? Well, yeah, no, was on the no, way I was up. on the way there too. Let me oh, tell you about South. Let's talk about Southwest Airlines. Great airlines, great customer service, entertaining staff. I mean, the 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 flight attendants are entertaining. Everybody likes to be happy at Southwest Airlines, and I think what? that 
that they have a sense of humor because they routed a flight from Jackson, Mississippi to Atlanta, Georgia to um, Raleigh, no, Richmond, Virginia, and then to Chicago. And going home, we went from Chicago to Myrtle Beach. <laughs> and when we took off, we flew out over the ocean, so I got to see Myrtle Beach. And then we flew up to Baltimore, and then all the way back down to Jackson, Mississippi. Now, that's either because somebody at Southwest has a tremendous sense of humor, let's give them a really good fare, but let's fly them all over hell and half of Georgia, or cannabis is legal in a lot of states, and that's just kind of decisions are being made now. Well, and, well and yeah. you know, the dogs weren't happy about the fucking situation, too, because that just meant that, you know, Stephanie and Dave got home later, and they were pissed off, as you can yeah. tell. Or, or, yeah. or pissed on, I don't know. We're going to kill these fucking dogs for this podcast. <laughs> I'm kind of enjoying it. It's kind of like an ambiance. It's like, I'm glad, <laughs> I'm glad you like it because it's not going to stop. <laughs> so I, one thing I did want to ask you, Dave, and I, I saw this last show too, obviously because it was t- taped at the same time, but uh, Manning's wearing a different rush uh, uniform here. Why was that? Manning always did something a little different. He'd have a T-shirt that said World Class WCCW on the front of it, referee on the back, or Manning. That was a thing in the 80s is getting your last name put on the back of your T-shirts. Yeah. But he also, what you're looking at tonight's an Adidas. There's an Adidas pullover. Mm-hmm. He would later go on to where he'd wear a black shirt with three, with three white straps on the sleeves, and then he'd wear black pants with the three white straps on the pants. And they were like a, they weren't like a sweat. They were like a, like a knit pant. Mm-hmm. And uh, Manning always wore something a little different. Uh, Rick Hazard wore a white t-shirt and red pants. Bronco would wear the straps. Manning occasionally wore the straps, but he did it so rarely that it stood out to you. And mm-hmm. then you saw Alfred Neely show up, and he was wearing the white shirt and the bow tie. Sure. So I told RJ, I told RJ, I said, I think you have a, such a weird obsession. I said, you do two podcasts with three referees. Two of them are wrestling referees, and one of them is a basketball referee. I think I, I think I have a thing. I don't know for stripes. Oh, yeah. My wife needs to give him a shirt. <laughs> yeah, we've gotta, all got we've all got stripes. We need to give RJ his own. Uh, I gotta get a rough shirt just to fit in, I guess. Uh, I got I got about five extra right here. Yeah, and you, yeah. I got. You, you I, can't have that one. No. You can I, have I, the I, one I showed you. <laughs> you, should, you should have brought that for a uh, uh, wrestling co- showcase. Um, I could have wore it. I mean, you know what you should have done is you should you should have the Nature Boy sign that son of a bitch. Well, the wrestling showcase was going to go with black shirts and gold bow ties. Yeah. And you know how Josh Chernoff is about his ties. So. I didn't throw my straps in the bag. Well, Kyoto <laughs> Kyoto and Hebner wasn't going for that black shirt. <laughs> so they had to run and shout out to Denovis. I wouldn't have either because I saw Efren had on an all black tuxedo and he was sweating his fucking bald head off. Well, so I <laughs> I got my referee shirt. Actually the the ref shirt I wore for the first match on the pre show was the other referee shirt. Genovius yeah. showed up like three minutes after I'd already got to the ring with the, with a with a brand new ref shirt. After after he got you a women's shirt, yeah, they got me a women's shirt. I put it on, but I couldn't. I didn't have the. I didn't have yeah, the curves. Out. I didn't have the curves or the boots. <laughs> no, but ser- but seriously, you should get next time you see him get Rick to sign that ref shirt of yours. That would be cool. 
and frame it or something yeah i don't know that i wanted autograph though i mean it is his last match and he wants to strut around in it it. but if i get rick to autograph it then i got to get jeff and jay and andrade Uh, that's true yeah so yeah but uh just just forge it that's fine um <laughs> he's no, got so I, many player autographs he could probably afford to probably, yeah <laughs> if i do it in his sleep at this point um what i wanted to address here too is you get a ref bump in the first fall here where carrie goes for the discus punch flare ducks carrie inver- inadvertently nails neely he's out cold uh and, and let's talk about neely yeah they brought him in as a special referee um they brought him in a special referee on this deal and I didn't notice it until the <clears> last <throat> time that I watched it. When I watched it a couple weeks ago before we got ready to start doing these doing the series. And I don't know if y'all have noticed, but now I'm watching it through the eyes of a referee. Neely was being very over-officious. He was on top of the action. He was being hands-on. He was really being overbearing as a referee. And and Neely Neely came from Mid South. He was a Mid South referee. That the Watts sent him up for this. I mean, they borrowed him from Watts. But I didn't notice it at the time. You know, for, it's been forty years. But watching it back now, I could see that that's the storytelling. Is that this stand-in referee was very over officious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And him getting in the way, you know, he ate a, he ate a discus punch. Yeah, and he, and he sold it like a champ, though. I'll tell you that much. A hell of a ref bump. It really yeah. was. It's funny you say you watch wrestling matches through the eyes of a referee, and that's exactly how I watch college basketball games and shit like that. You know, I kind of watch the referees the whole time. Yeah, um, and that and Rick Knox, Rick Knox, I, I, I'm critical of him when he referees tag matches, but it's probably I probably notice it as a referee, and the fans. I don't think fans notice until JR starts making it a point to point it out. Yeah. So uh, I, thought, I thought overall in this match, though, I thought Rick got great shit out of Kerry. Like you were saying, they were telling good stories, good ref bump. Fans were all into it. I mean, if you just want to go back and see pure wrestling for what it was always supposed to be and local fan reaction for a local hero against the traveling, you know, uh, heel um this is the type of reaction you could get if you had the right people in the right spots oh yeah and the crowd was i mean because after the ref bump carrie goes in and he has rick flair beat mm-hmm. he's legitimately up, yeah he's going up one fall yeah and you know david manning had jumped in and then neely recovers and disqualifies carrie for hitting him yeah Kerry didn't it, intentionally hit him. Well, it didn't make I, I get why they did it. Yes. But it's just like, okay, I, I, and okay, well, now it's like, okay, what, what's, how is he going to do it? Is he going to come back, you know, two straight falls and win? This is when they were telling the great story where it's like, you still had the possibility. Now it's like, oh, if they go down one, it's going to be one, one, and then, you know, two nothing or whatever. And it's well, just, it, yeah, if Flair's gone up one fall on Kerry. You put the heat on the referee. Mm-hmm. You put the heat on the referee, because now everybody's like, "Man, that referee screwed Kerry." Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we, we go, co- yeah, so we, we go, go to the so, second fall. Yeah, so we go our second fall. We come back for commercial break, and you see 
Carrie in the corners, beating the piss out of Flair uh, and putting a hooking another sleeper into him. Dude, this is the era of the sleeper, guys. <laughs> you know what I mean? You don't see this anymore. You don't see anybody taking yeah. anybody down with a sleeper hold. I started. I just turned on WrestleMania five randomly for some reason the other day, yeah. and it was Ted DiBiase versus uh, Brutus the Barber Beefcake. And both of them the whole time just trying to get the sleeper hold on each other because it was both of their finish. Yeah. And then at the time you had Rowdy using it too. You had Piper. They had three guys in the WWE using it as a finish. Used to, if you beat a man with the sleeper hold, the referee made you wake him back up after the match. It's like you <laughs> push their head forward and kind of massage it around a little bit and then pop them, at the, pop them on the neck to wake them up. <laughs> Do you ever have to do that? No, we weren't doing that crap since when I started. <laughs> That's did, you how we, to, that, did you have that, to pull Tommy Young and slide a uh, a gimmick back in the shorts? I don't re- no. I don't remember <laughs> the last time I saw anybody sell a sleeper hold. Yeah. Oh no, me either. But the uh, but the uh, if you want to see, you don't have to. Less can be more. A headlock can tell a story. Mm-hmm. Go to the, go to Peacock. I don't know if they did. I, I don't know if you can still find hidden gems like you could on the network. But search there still. Search Bob Backlund versus Harley Race. Uh-huh. That's fifteen minutes of headlock. <laughs> Backlund's cranking it. Race is selling it. Yeah. I mean, they're telling a story, and they're not. I mean, but 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 I mean, he's just not hold standing there holding him. You know, okay, I got you in a headlock. You know. Okay, we're, we're going to do this. Hang I can on, see Harley being like, uh, you put me in a headlock. Then what, Harley? Keep doing it. And sell it. <laughs> but he did. But, yeah. I mean, he's squeezing his head. and you can, I mean, he looks like he's squeezing it. And Harley acts like it's killing him. You should go watch it. It's great storytelling. And while we're talking about Harley, go back and watch the Kerry Von Eric Harley race match. As much of a fan as I am of Kerry Von Erich versus Ric Flair, Kerry matched up better with Harley Race than he did Flair. Yeah, Kevin and David. That. Kevin and David had better matches with Flair than Kerry yeah. did, and Kerry had great matches with Flair. I, you know, the thing I love about Harley, he doesn't get enough credit for really being one of the bumper best bumpers ever. Harley, Crazy bumps. Harley could bump, man, and you know I think Harley. You know, when I think of bumping back then, I think of him and I think of Ray Stevens. Those guys were the ones doing it more than anyone else back in the early 70s and late 60s. Wouldn't you agree with that? I mean, can you think of anybody else that really bumped around like they did back then? I mean, I'm sure there are guys, but when it comes to just... While Bill Irwin comes to mind, he took some incredible bumps. I mean, uh, but if... Terry Gordy. Look at the bumps Terry Gordy takes. Yeah. Terry Gordy's probably one of the top five big men ever. What I loved about about uh, Harley, kind of when he got older there in his, at the end of his career at the WWE, he turned his bumps more into comedic bumps, which was kind of funny. I liked I liked when he did that stuff, too. He was kind of less the hard, the hard-ass Harley race and more of the King Harley race. Yeah. He did a little more comedic stuff uh there in the mid to late 80s at wwe which i kind of liked it was kind of cool to see you know every the hardest toughest man on earth do a little bit of comedy at the end of it 
You know, one thing I did like tier two guys is how you know Flair. They're using every part of the ring here. We're gonna see Flair use a lot of the momentum on Carrie and you know whip him out between the ropes to the concrete floor. Really picking apart, you know, every part of the body. You know, Carrie's gonna grab his leg and you know ram his leg into the apron, all that stuff. But one thing I did find very but, very. But did huh? he kick his leg out of his leg? That's the real question. Well, no, Owen Hart's the only one that can do that. Uh, I mean, look at the figure four. How about yeah. the sell? See how Kerry sold that figure four? I mean, Flair had that figure four locked in for a while. Yeah, he and did. Kerry sold it like he was dying. Right. And that, but that's 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 what Kerry did, though. And I'll do another observation on Kerry Von Erich. If you look at him, the physique on him, and the physique got better. Reminds me a lot of me. But yeah, but, go ahead. But Kerry <laughs> Von Erich, I, I describe Kerry Von Erich as shaped like a yield sign. And you know who else? I've, this week I saw a wrestler, and that's how I describe her. She's shaped mm -hmm. like a yield sign. And that's that uh, Raquel Gonzalez, or is it Rodriguez? Oh, I changed Rodriguez. her last name. Yeah. But when she turns around and she flexes and you see that back, she is shaped. I mean, she is, her upper body looks like a yield sign. And I'll, I'm not making fun of her. I mean, that is it's tremendous. Mm -hmm. And Carrie yeah. was shaped like that. Yeah. That's just, just an observation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think them going out, out out of the ring here is just to save time, kind of give them a breather? Well, it might just be to switch the matchup. I mean, when you got three well, they, If they're fighting, it's not giving them a breather. But sometimes they right. get out and take – Flair would get out and take a walk, and they had a 20 count to get back in. Right. Yeah. Uh, but no, we, we're going to see, like you said, you know, Flair's putting on that uh, that figure four carrier would ultimately reverse the hold, but you know, Flair would get to the rope. So it's just like this cat and mouse kind of game, which is absolutely phenomenal, which you don't see. Um, but you know, one thing that really will set up the finish here that I found very interesting was Kerry, when he applies the claw to Flair's face, head or forehead, excuse me, it busts him open. Is that just Flair's way of putting Kerry over or putting the claw over? Putting the claw over. The claw, I mean, the science of the claw was supposed to, they're squeezing so hard that it pulls the skin apart. Mm -hmm. I mean, <clears throat> And the, those boys had huge hands. Fritz had huge hands. And if they didn't cut their t fingernails very well, that could dig up in there too. <laughs> well, but I, mean, do you I think actually that... think I saw. I think I actually saw the moment that Flair that Flair yeah. cut himself. I, saw, yeah. I think I saw it watching the match back a little while ago. Flair would never gig himself. Because you had asked about how <laughs> how the <laughs> you had asked about how he was selling the claws. So I went back and watched that. And um, at one point, I saw Flair's hand come up. Yeah, and I think that's when he did it. But. Well, he had it on the tape, right on his finger. So he probably just got his finger up in there and let her rip, Tater. Let her rip. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Literally, but um, but yeah, that's that's pretty much gonna um decide the fall. Uh, Carrie would continue the pressure of the claw, applying pressure to the the forehead, and Carrie would ultimately pin Flair to have the uh, falls tied at one. And what I found interesting, too, before we get to our third fall here, guys, is seeing all these fans rush literally to ringside. And oh, yeah. It's just, it's, 
it, it it's heartening to see because how over wrestling was in 82 here especially in this it was era weird to see it during the match i mean they used to get yeah. up i mean they used to because they sell they'd sign autographs before the match sure you get up there and you hold your paper up and maybe they'd reach out and get it and, and sign an autograph and then they'd move them back because there was no barricades there was a rope sure so a clothesline i mean we didn't have barricades and i like how that rope always was you know just held people back like people were like no we can't there's a there's a little rope right here well <laughs> like, right there was a guy there was a guy in 1983 and a right at the april show in 1983 beginning of april where kevin von eric took on rick flair at the state fair coliseum there's one guy he got on the inside of that rope and terry gordy sent his ass back about three rows Oh, so, that would be about the last guy, maybe him and Harley, that I'd yeah. want to fucking go fuck with about getting over the rope. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of understood that you could stand behind that rope and be as rowdy as you wanted to, but it was a fuck around and find out situation if you got up underneath. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm, saying, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna fuck with any of them. Be honest with you, but hey, it is what it is at this point. I think our buddy Ed Prather fucked around and found out Friday night about. <laughs> oh Jesus! Yeah. Should not take in just in his body. Mm. Uh, <laughs> poor Ed. Uh, poor. Well, did to himself. Anyways, hey, so I'm just glad it wasn't me this year. <laughs> well, apparently, I stepped, Mr. On, I stepped on the line of it, but I didn't quite go over to Dave Miller level Friday. So apparently uh, Mr. James Alcorai of the kickout crew. So shout out to all those boys. Um, he was pond water. He was pond watering. And now that it's an actual term now we're pond watering. Uh, <laughs> and I believe that was Friday. Was it Friday night? Probably. No, maybe Thursday. Might've been Thursday. I don't know, but it might, one of the two nights. But uh, apparently passed out in the front of the hotel there by the lobby Ooh. there. There's a so. good dad. Well, that was Thursday, I think, because I don't think I was there. I yeah, I don't think there. you were there yet. I think that was Thursday. Uh, anyways, yeah, it sure does. <laughs> hey, those, those chairs out front are comfortable enough to sleep in. We, we, we know a few individuals <laughs> that did that last year. Uh, but <laughs> just, anyway. don't like, just don't be like Andre and fall asleep in front of the elevator. That's not a good plan. <laughs> So our third fall here begins with a bloody flare, uh, just getting hammered by Carrie, uh, or, and uh, or excuse me, being uh, hammered. But Carrie uh, responds with a discus punch to the face. Carrie can smell it. Carrie yeah. can smell it. He knows he's got it. Yeah. Flares and flares fighting back out of desperation. This is where it's all breaking loose. But I just found it pretty stupid. You know, you build, you build, you build. They're not abiding the referee. Neely ends up calling for the bell, double disqualification, a short third fall. Well, I mean, they they got they, it. Got heated. Yeah. I mean, Flair shoved Neely. Kerry shoved Neely. He couldn't yeah. get him to quit brawling. I mean, Neely did his job in third in the third in the third fall. Neely did his job. The only thing I'll say about it. I'm okay with the smudge finish there on the third one. I wish they wouldn't have done two um, disqualifications out of in the three falls. I can do one at the end. I don't know if they should have done. You know, maybe let each each of them get a pin, then do the smalls at the end. I don't know. I didn't 100% like the percent put the heat on the referee. It worked. Well, that's, I mean, that's why you do it at the first one. Yeah, it's all about 
that that aspect of it, I guess. But but ultimately, this is building up to what Christmas Christmas uh, Star yeah, Wars, Christmas Dave. Star yeah, Wars. Well, well, now the build for Christmas, and yeah. it'll be announced. It'll be announced that Carrie's getting a rematch. Yeah, because we'll we'll be go, we'll be fast forwarding a little bit to uh, to December eleventh, uh, I believe. But we'll get to that at the end of the show. I mean, they're over next the, week, and they'll put the stipulations in because Carrie got screwed. Yeah. So now there's going to be a special enforcer. Who's that? It's going to be in a steel cage. I mean, as it gets closer, yeah, they add the special enforcer, but they put it in a steel cage. No disqualification because Flair got himself disqualified. Is the way that. All right, I can I uh, I think I know who the special enforcer is. Isn't it um, like one of the free birds? Yeah, it's Michael Hayes. Michael, Michael Hayes. Hayes. That's what yeah, I. Yeah, Michael Michael Hayes Michael is going to be entering the area in the next. And I think I've seen of, that match. I've seen that cage match. And then doesn't uh, Gordy come out and all that? Gordy was out as the gatekeeper. I think That's we should right. do. Yeah. I think we should do that match as a watch along. Yeah, I'm fine with that. I think that would this be a actually, good. That's actually one of the few matches that we'll watch that I've actually seen before. We should watch that episode as a watch along. What? Um, where is that? Which one is that from? Is it Stark? Is, is it? Is it oh, like a taping? It? Yeah. It's the Christmas Star it's the Wars. Christmas right? Star Wars. I think it actually airs. I think it actually airs the beginning of January of '83. I can tell you right now because I actually have it pulled up. <laughs> I think they actually <laughs> got. They got uh, like three episodes out of that reunion arena show for Christmas. Okay, the date that it it was December 25th, Christmas Day, because that's when everyone did stuff on holidays because everything was closed. Yes. So then, uh, but it aired on December 28th, three days later. Carrie and right. Flair. The, the 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 Christmas Star Wars. It said it happened on uh, December twenty fifth, but aired on December twenty seventh and December twenty eighth. It also aired. I mean, there was another. I think there's a January episode, and I think that the Carrie episode is in the at the beginning of January. Mm. I know that card. They managed to milk three episodes out of it mm. because you had you had. Uh, the the finals of the world six six man champ, tag team championship that night. Uh, Buddy Roberts couldn't make it, so David steps in and ta- tag teams with the Freebirds to win the titles for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I know Kerry and Flair. I'd have to look at the card, but I want to say that I want to say that I want to say that the American Heavyweight Championship was defended. It might have been Kevin and Bundy. That's uh, Bundy. next week. Um, That's I, next week, Dave. Okay. Kevin I, versus I say for the Christmas Star Wars that there was 12,000 fans in attendance. So about no, 6,000. That's what it says here, no? Okay. No, it was 18,000. It was packed. There was, okay. no empty, there was no empty seats at Reunion Arena for Star Wars until the first year that Ric Flair didn't show up for it. They were they were capacity crowds until the first year that Ric Flair. Well, the only reason I I could see it being a little less just because it was Christmas Day and some people might not want you know, but no. no. But okay. you know, we had uh, that's something we could look for. Honestly, there might be something we could watch during before that Christmas episode for the show. You know, we could do we that as a I watch think it along. Would be a fun watch along. There's so much. Yeah. There's so much there. It's the shot that fired. That's the shot that launched it. I mean, that's what put them in the stratosphere. Yeah. But then Um, you notice that Fritz came out on this match. Yeah. 
At the towards the end there, at the after. And then he he shoved Fritz and Yeah, I didn't like see that. that. And and like the camera cut away, but Fritz lit him up. Yeah. The camera cut away on it. They missed the shot, but I remember distinctly that Fritz whipped that referee's ass. Well, <laughs> yeah, they probably don't want to bury the referee on TV, but they'll give it to the crowd. One of those things. You oh, think. they buried him. They buried him on the upcoming, on the following uh, weeks. But we we got a couple questions oh, here. Uh, I got a real quick question before these slap dicks get to ask one. Yeah. But, uh, did they, so was this like a Danny Davis angle type of thing, like the the bad referee, the Nick Patrick angle? No, no, no. he wasn't. I mean. He wasn't presented as a as a crooked referee. He was presented okay. as incompetent. Oh, just stupid. I mean, he was over officious. I like, I like Doug Markham because he don't know when to turn around. Turn around, Doug. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it was that it wasn't a it wasn't a hill referee situation at all. Okay. And it was a it was just like that incompetent referee cost Kerry. Kerry yeah. should have had it in two straight falls. Gotcha. Kerry shouldn't have been disqualified for the discus. I mean, it was that's the storytelling when the weeks after. Because, man, I was coughing and I had blood. My throat was bleeding because I yelled my throat out. <laughs> I mean, I was into this. I believed every bit of it. I was all the way in. From so the night before telling my brother, you know that shit's fake, right? To, no, this shit ain't fake. Cause I mean, it looked like Kerry was killing him with those punches. Yeah. And Flair's head, the red in his hair from the blood. All right, over there, RJ. I think we're ready for our slapdick questions now. Well, what better way to start with when you say slapdicks and with Plaid Brad himself? Yeah, Plaid Man uh, Brad. Plaid Man Brad, who had uh, very much a good time. Plaid Man Brad was a little bit lucid Saturday night as well. <laughs> Lucid is an understatement because Sunday he was hangover and <laughs> tried, tried to with the ringside rant to reveal everyone's drunkenness and, and variety of drunkenness. At hey, if, if you get if you're over served and you act like and you and you make a fool of yourself or or just over party, RJ, oh, RJ, yeah. you'll call RJ's, you RJ's, RJ's the RJ's the worst reformed. I mean. <laughs> sobriety's he's the turned drunk RJ. He's the sobriety, drunk sobriety turned him into an asshole. Now, and he's, no, he's like, hey, it wasn't he's sobriety. Like, he's like Sting when he found religion and started telling on everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and he's not tan, so he ain't getting the fucking world title either. Oh fucking hell! Anyways, oh, oh god damn it. <laughs> Well, that's, that, the that, that, that that's the quote the... from this episode, y'all. When Sting found religion and started telling on everybody, <laughs> RJ turned into an asshole. Uh, <laughs> it's embrace Sting. it. It's the asshole. Uh, Krasinski. Brad... <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <sighs> um, I do not want to see RJ try to come out of the rafters because that's going to turn into a whole bad situation. Oh goodness! Well, they would have to put like makeup on my head so I wouldn't blind the people at the uh, ringside. <laughs> yeah, it'd be like we like how we were at SummerSlam. God damn that light's back! No, it's RJ's head. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a light reflecting off his fucking head. Uh, but Plaid, Brad Plaid, bleh, bleh, bleh. Plaid Brad says, "What is something you hate 
and love about this era, Dave? I love the rea- I, I love the realism. Mm-hmm. I love that you could you 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 were into it and you believed it. That it was presented. I mean, the goal the goal was either to become the champion or to get revenge. Sure. I mean, if it was you, good versus evil. It was if very you ain't believable. Be the champion, baby, get the fuck out. <laughs> I mean, you had to. You, I mean, the physicality. I mean, that was. But the the goal, everybody's goal, was to be the top, to be the champion, because the champion made the money. I loved that. I loved all the little the, the nuances, the rules that everything meant something. That's yeah. what I loved about it. A lot of stakes and different types of kind of betting on things like I'll do this and if I don't then that type of stuff. And I mean, it's hard for me to find something that I hated. I, I mean, it used to take forever for the matches to come to the ring. You yeah. know, you go to WWF event and they would I remember the first time that I went to see WWF, the matches one right after the other. Well like that match said. was over, they're on their way to the ring. And world class your live will sit there 15, 20 minutes between matches. I yeah. Mean, I mean, they weren't going to when a guy comes out, you might stop to sign autographs for a minute or two. And... I mean, he'd get in the ring, and it was just, I mean, it was just an unbelievable atmosphere. My answer would be to that. I, I agree with Dave's first, first answer is the kayfabe, the way people were into it, the crowd was into it. That would be my favorite part of it. My least favorite part is, and this is a cheap answer, but it would be just lack of production yeah. that we get, even that we got in the 80s and 90s or later 80s. Uh, just that kind of lack of production and like even like theme songs on people coming to the ring. And, you know, this was right before wrestling started to get jazzed up a little bit when it comes to that stuff. Yeah, there was music. Now. There was there music was, in the arena, but, yeah. but I mean, you're not going to hear them on these episodes because they're licensed. Right. 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 I mean, they played Tom Sawyer when Carrie came out. Yeah. They played LaGrange. They Warriors. played LaGrange. They either played LaGrange or Stranglehold when the Von Erichs came out to tag team. How do you feel now, about everybody that? Didn't have, everybody didn't have music, though. I mean, it wasn't right. like That's every match. The, the top guys had music. Yes. How do you feel about Rush as a band? Are you for him or... Oh man, give me YYZ all day, every day. Yeah, I love Rush, man. Rush is so fucking good. Man, we had a jukebox in our lunchroom in my my junior and senior year, and we played YYZ every day. They had, YYZ, music. They, they had music back then, Dave? Yeah. They did. You had to YYZ pay uh, 10 and cents whip on it. the jukebox to hear it, but they had it. <laughs> whip it. Whip it got played every day. Yeah. Whip it, and then, YYZ. And then when you got home from school, you whipped it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> whipped it good. What's our next one, RJ? Oh, sweet mother of Mary. Um, so we didn't have we didn't have video games in '83. <laughs> you had to go to 7-Eleven with a handful of quarters. <laughs> yep. And that's when the party started. Uh, so Brian Haramza's up here. Uh, he says, "Were you surprised that this bout went to Carrie and not David?" No. I well, for one. We've established that I had no preconceived expectations at all. Of going into it, yeah. Because I didn't, this was like, I, I saw it on Saturday night and I went to it on Sunday. So that was it. 
But David had just returned from Florida. And I mean, I came to find this out later. But but no, at this time... David was probably just returning. So they were they didn't have him in that main event slot kind of at the time. So they... Is that why? Because he hadn't kind of cycled back into that yet? Well, this was late 82. Kevin was going to get the title shot. It's Kevin comes up next. Kevin got the shot at Flair That's in right, April. Yeah. In April. <laughs> and and um, got disqualified. They, I mean, you thought Kevin won. They returned the belt to Flair because Kevin had thrown him over the top rope. And Bronco was down. and Because David Manning came out, counted it. But Bronco had saw Flair come over the top rope because Bronco was laying on the floor. And he saw Flair come over the top rope, so he reversed it. So then they had worked it where Kevin was going to get a rematch at the next Star Wars, which was going to be called International Star Wars. It took place in... Um, this is 83. In 83. And we got to the arena that night and found out that Harley Race had, had, had got the championship back, so it was going to be Kevin versus Harley that night. Because you didn't know until you got there. They told you. Right. Yeah. Uh, so Kevin he, got the next like, program. Last night in Poduck, fucking Arkansas, Harley Race beat Ric Flair, and now the match has changed. Yeah, and now that. David, and then later in 83, David, when David finally disposed of Jimmy Garvin for the Texas title, because he feuded with Garvin most of 83, then that was when David started going for the championship. Okay. And And David was well on his way. David was well on his way when he when he passed away February of eighty four. So he was he in in uh, late eighty three, early eighty four. He'd moved into that main event spot. And then why did he go to Japan though? If he was just moving into that, I mean, oh, it wasn't uncommon for him to tour Japan. Well, I know it wasn't. I'm just saying if they're just moving him in to be in, you know, that I don't know. I'm sure if I'm David and Japan's offering me a lot more money to go out there, I'd go out there too. Well, it was just a it was just a one or two week tour. Yeah. So I mean, but David was uh, David was in Missouri. Da I mean, David was touring. Mm -hmm. David was the um, David had just lost the Missouri championship. I mean, in fact, Flair lost the Missouri championship to David, be right before he regained the belt from Harley. I like all these state championships. By the way, mother, listen here, fucking Dave Miller. I'm bringing the West Virginia championship to the next top guy weekend. Oh, me and you, but I'm one. <laughs> We're going to fight over the West Virginia championship. The uh, the winner gets a uh, Tudor's biscuit. <laughs> but you know, they never told us on world-class television that that the boys were, were Missouri state champions. Or yeah. They didn't recognize. I mean, they wouldn't, and you would think they say, "Hey, David just beat Ric Flair for the Missouri Heavyweight Championship." Yeah. I mean, you would think that they would, but most of the time when the Von Erichs had they, belts, they, they didn't put take, it over. They just didn't take the belts to the ring. Yeah. I mean, the Von Erichs very seldom ever carried a belt to the ring. So, I mean, that was the that was the progression, and it was just it was David's turn when he passed. I'd like to see Coach and Efren fight for the Arizona Championship. Can we have that at Next Top Guy Weekend? I would. Well, uh, I'd like. To, it, I'd like to see Efren powerbomb Coach through a table. Uh, I can see me now <laughs> counting Efren. Efren, quit it! Don't don't scratch his eyes out. One, two, three. Those, those aren't his eyes. 
Anyways, uh, our last Why does Zephyrin have the claw on the crotch and not on the head? Never mind, don't worry about it. He's and why, and why is this <laughs> and why is this singlet crotchless? Uh Oh, I, I I would love it if Ephraim Everett was the star of Top Guy Weekend. Dude, oh, the by real far. MVP, the real yeah. MVP of Top Guy Weekend, guys. If you're by not far. if you're not on ad free shows to to witness the game event, Ephraim works very very hard to present these different game shows that he plays with the top guys. Yep. And a lot of times there's some production issues doing it on Zoom. What none this but, week? But him and Josh Odom, him and Josh Odom. I mean, shout out to Josh Odom. They that came off without a hitch live, yeah. And it was tremendous, tremendous. I, I can tell you, Dave. I, you and I have been to all three of these. Yeah, Loki, Big Ogden, and the two top guys. That was my favorite event of the weekend last weekend. Mm -hmm. Maybe one of my favorite events we've ever done at these things because I just not, yeah. The, the crowd loved it. You know, the crowd was into Efren. The the crowd was into the answers that the our celebrities. Efren's a star. Efren yeah. is a star. And when in the wrestling showcase, man, yep. I was so proud of my friend Ephraim. When I saw him, I, I was rolling when he got introduced and they played It's Raining Men. Yeah. yeah. I, I, <laughs> but I, mean, I love him so much. And he, he went out there and got in the ring and he did the ring announcing. It was his free, it was his debut to the ring announcing. And I wish I was, I got to be in the ring with him. Yep. And, and I mean, I was just, then the, I was, yeah, I'm, I'm so happy for, I'm so happy for Ephraim. Yeah. I am too. No, I I, um, I made a point when I saw him uh, backstage at the showcase, and as well as at Top Guy too. I said, "Bud," I went up to him, gave him a big hug. Dude, you you're the man. So proud of you. You're freaking dynamite. And dude, it was. I, anyway. I tell you, and Saturday night to introduce Mike Kyoto and do a live version of my 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 Mike That was. Fantastic! All the top guys were up dancing with that. I friend. wish I would have stayed for that. Oh man, that was you, awesome! You left? I was starving. I mean, yeah. Like, oh, me and my wife, okay. Me and my wife were were starving. Uh, we went ate with Lenny Bachman and his wife. Oh, okay. So I'm you got a free, to... so you got a free dinner. That's what you're saying, Dave. <laughs> no, I didn't. Oh, okay. No, I didn't. He did. Oh, no, okay. Look at you, big spender. I don't have alligator arms. Taking that have, referee money. I don't have alligator arms, guys. <laughs> you no, you no, just no, have I, really small arms. I grabbed um, dinner. I grabbed dinner. He grabbed the tip. Uh, but yeah, Mike Kyoto came out dancing and singing to the song when they introduced. I saw him. the video. Oh yeah, it was fantastic. It was so much fun. Um, you know, Efren sent me that song a long time ago before he had sent it to anyone else, and he said. Give me your honest opinion. What do you think? I said, Efren, this is right up there with Jim Cornette's, you know, do you remember Pampiro for Oh I yeah. Song, and I love Mike Kyoto. <laughs> oh, the Mike Kyoto song's great. Yep. Yeah, I'm I'm fortunate enough that Efren shares some things with me too when he's when he's yeah. trying them out and, and yeah. I figure guy, it's been a, I figure it's been over a year since he did that, so I, I can release that information. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I What's just hate that I didn't get to see Efren more. It's like when he do something, he disappears. Well, he said, he told me he took about 20 showers throughout the experience. I don't think he's used to this Midwest, uh, yeah. uh, what would you call it? Humidity? Uh, humidity. I, didn't get a, I didn't get a picture with him. No, I didn't either. I, I didn't get a picture either. with him. I wanted to hang with him. Yeah. Yeah. 
I didn't get a picture with him either. We got to hang one night um, and talk a little bit, and that was about it. What's our next question, RJ? So I think we've I think we answer this, but I'll ask questions. it anyways. Uh, Devin Dowling, the the David Flair of AFS, wants to know: uh, Would you guys have preferred a clean finish instead of a double DQ? No. It, no take it for me. Take it from me, y'all. The perception of today, y'all might need that. Yeah. That uh, non-finish, that non-finish uh, had me. It had me angry. Yep. It had me angry. I felt bad for Kerry. He got screwed. And I was ready for some more. It did it who, did who, what who, it needed to do. Who asked this? Devin? Yes. Yeah, because he's young and he thinks everything has to be a clean finish. First of all, <laughs> Devin, I no, love that you. that works. And I do want to say it was awesome to uh, meet Devin for the first time this weekend. He is Oh, awesome. yeah. Um, no, Devin, we don't need a clean finish here. And in fact, it's almost an impossibility because rick's not giving up the title here and if you put rick over clean that kills carrie there so that would make zero sense on you either gonna put rick over clean no but also you got to keep in mind Devin, that david and kevin david and kevin won the tag titles from kabuki and the dragon and sent everybody home happy mm -hmm. that's I mean, true most of the time i don't remember i don't think that I don't. I guess Rick and Carrie went on last Christmas because of the cage. Yeah. But I mean, no, you didn't need the clean finish. No. All right. Well, why don't we take a short break and we'll come back with our rivalries. Fall is finally here, which means back to a routine, back to busy schedules, and back to the best saving hack for weeknight dinners, every plate. If you think meal kits are too expensive like I did because you see all the advertisements and you know they're too expensive, but this is not the case. Think again. Every plate is 25% cheaper than going down the street to the grocery store, which is fantastic. Every plate's quality ingredients come pre-portioned to help you save money and reduce food waste. You know, like that bag of spinach you throw out every week because it's just not good anymore. Every plate makes it easy to get the family gathered for dinner every night with delicious recipes everybody will love. I always liked the meatballs, the hamburgers, they're absolutely phenomenal. My 10-year-old son loves it. My wife loves it. And best yet, I love it too because it's nice, it's easy, and you get to choose from any options from our menu, including quick and easy, meat and veggie, veggie, and family friendly, so you know you can try whatever you want without committing to one preference. Do yourself some justice and save some money and save some time by Getting started with everyplate.com for just $1.49 per meal on your first box by going to everyplate.com and entering the promo code RINGSIDERANT149. That's everyplate.com using the promo code RINGSIDERANT149 for just $1.49 for your first meal box. Thanks to our friends over at EveryPlate. So I brought a, a big one this week. It was actually a suggestion from Mike Whitaker himself. Uh, I'm bringing, well, you know what? Let's send it up to the booth. We got some little bit of an audio for you guys this week for my rivalry. 
I walked in with a plan, which uh, worked out beautifully. Kevin Owens has been waiting 14 years for this opportunity. It is his night to shine. I wouldn't have missed this match for the world. And I didn't just watch it backstage on the monitor. I creeped out through the curtain so I could feel the audience. And I welled up. I welled up with tears. And Kevin Owens with the victory here tonight in his debut. I would say I was as excited for my debut as I was for Zayn versus Neville. Sammy Zayn! I was so happy for him. Still am. I, I'm still really happy for Sammy. The NXT locker room coming out to congratulate Sammy Zayn and his best friend, Kevin Owens. After all our friendship had endured up until that point, that he could still kind of give me that nod meant a lot to me personally. What a night for these two friends. This has got to be surreal for those two guys at the top of their game. I should have seen the whole thing coming. I really should have. I waited for that spotlight for 14 years. I wasn't going to wait in the back. So Kevin Owens versus Sami Zayn is a feud that we saw in NXT. It was a feud that we saw all across the indies in the ROH. We saw it a little bit onto the main roster. Uh, this goes back to the old adage, Dave, that, you know, the best rivalries comes from the best friends because they know each other so damn well. And that's a specific uh, 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 instance here. If you go back and watch, I believe it was NXT, Our Revolution, This is that's where it started and going forward. Uh, you know, Sami Zayn won the title before Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens didn't want to wait behind, wait in line behind all these guys. He wanted to be thrusted into it. Kevin Owens is a great goddamn heel. Uh, and, great and, go, heel. Great and it goes heel. back. He's a great baby, too. Yeah, but he, he, he's just so damn good well, in general. He was a great heel, but he's to the point now where he's been such a good heel. He's got that road warrior problem that yeah. it doesn't matter what he does now, people are going to cheer it. He, he just gets over. That's a thing. And I think, and he, he's also smart with the business. You know, he could very well easy go over to an AEW when his contract was up. But he said, nope, I'm resigning with WWE because he's smart. He's a businessman. He takes us as, you know, he's got a family at home. And, well, you know. I was concerned when he did it that he'd get the initial re-signed push and then get pushed yeah. back again because that's how they do. But he but hasn't. It but, it, well, no, it worked out for him because now yeah. Triple H is in charge. Yeah. And, and, and Triple H is a huge Kevin Owens guy. Um. And uh, and he should be because Kevin Owens, he's a workhorse. And Kevin Owens isn't what Vince looks for, I don't think. No, no, no. And, and, and you know, and something that Vince doesn't look at is because uh, Sami Zayn, the other guy in this rivalry that I have, uh, a guy that's Road Dog. How about Road Dog revealing that he wanted, he wanted um, Sami Zayn to be Sammy on um, El Generico. He wanted to be Sammy on one show and El Generico on the other. That would have been great, though. But but see the problem. But they see the problem with that is oh, how many people will actually know who El Generico is. That's the problem you run into. And I think that's why it got axed. That would have got over though. 
Well, no, I, I I get that, but it's just like, okay, who the hell is this guy kind of thing? You know what I mean? It's it's kind of one of those things where you it's see just guys great thinking outside the box. But no, 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 I don't disagree. I don't. I love it, but I also know who El Generico is. Right, and I but, didn't, and you right. would have had to explain it to me because right. I didn't know who El Generico was because I wasn't a Ring of Honor guy. Yeah, yeah, but and that's some of the things too where I think now it's like a lot of fans are smart, smarter than you think, and they they know who El Generico is, but. Anyways, this rivalry would, like I said, go pretty much until Kevin Owens got uh, 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 sent up to the main roster. Sami Zayn was still down there for a little bit. Um, I, I just think the storytelling in this feud is is, is just so good, uh, and it's uh, one thing about it is you got two great mic guys, two great yeah. you know, performers, uh, as far as that goes. Like Not I just said, mic, but two guys that can get it done in the ring too. And, and then, like I said, they've been up and down the indies for 14 years. They just work so well together. And it's just, it's great to see because and even in ROH, they were tag champs together. They were singles competitors against each other. They beat the crap out of each other. I, I just think it's hard for them to go up this list just sure. because to me, Sami Zayn's not a big enough star compared to some of these other people. Sure. No, no, I get that. And I think, it, the future will tell how good Sami Zayn is. And that is, is not me shitting on Sami Zayn. No, I mean, I love, I love Sami Zayn. Well, so was it. it was a, I mean, it was a mid, it was a mid card feud though. Yeah. Somebody showed me his match with maybe Champa in NXT. Mm-hmm. Sami Zayn. I think it was Champa. You know, it, you know, no, it might have been Cesaro, but I think it was Champa. If you want to watch a good Sami Zayn match, watch him and uh, well, he's Pac now, but he was Neville then. That's uh, where he. That's where he won the title. Yeah, and I think NXT. where your I think where your cursor's at, where it needs to go. Fifteen. Yeah. Because because all we've talked about is how great both the participants are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But not how intense the feud was. It was a great yeah. feud. Sure. No, I get that. Great feud. I'm just saying. I think it's also hard. And I was buried. It was buried on the mid card. It wasn't main eventing. uh, It wasn't main eventing pay per views. Sure. No, and I. But I think it's. I. But I think it does deserve to be on the list, though. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, So why don't we go up and hear a little promo for Dave's pick this week? We've heard a lot about this right here, all brought about by the old lady of Jimmy Valiant. Here's number one, Paul Jones, with that cast on the arm, Paul. Bob, let me tell you. Let me tell you something. I come out here, they saw my arm, and they laughed. Well, let me tell you something. Everybody knows by now, if you don't know, you pay attention. I hope today that they can show Yes, look right there. I want you people to see the animal that Jimmy Valiant is. This is the man that you people stand behind, and this is the man that you agree with everything he does. But I want you to see right here where he comes in a ring with a big hickory stick, and he uses it on me. And everybody, anywhere, the man would go straight to jail and he would be in prison today. Look right there. Look. And everybody cheers the man. Well, let me tell you something. 
You people know it, and Jimmy Valiant, you know it most of all. Paul Jones is not gonna take this sitting down. It all started when Paul Jones took something from the boogeyman, something that belonged to me. He took my beard. And then Paul Jones made me leave the people and the place that I love more than anything in the world. And that's right here. Now, Superstar Billy and the Barbarian, you keep your nose out of this thing. This is between Paul Jones and the Boogeyman and all his people. I promise all my brothers and sisters that I will hurt Paul Jones real fast and real bad. You see the boogeyman, he's gonna walk with a big cane. The boogeyman don't wanna wear no mask. The boogeyman promised the people and Paul Jones, this is not a threat. This is a promise. I'm gonna hurt you because the Boogeyman's back. Hope don't sober men are fat. All right, so two guys that, if you're fans of WHW with Tony Schiavone, two guys that are very prevalent in uh, in, in on that show, but especially in the old end in the NWA too. Um, so, Dave, just explain why you're adding Jimmy Valiant and Paul Jones. Paul Jones, Jimmy Valiant was a staple of the NWA um, on TBS, TBS Worldwide Wrestling, Jim Crockett Promotions. Uh, Paul Jones, by the time I became familiar with Paul Jones, he was a manager. Mm -hmm. You know, Paul Jones Army. Um, he had it in for Jimmy Valiant. Um he turned the raging bull against Jimmy Valiant. He brought in, he turned Pez Watley into Shaska Watley. Shaska Watley turned on, he would turn people on Jimmy Valiant. He took Jimmy Valiant's hair. I remember. The face uh, actually lost the hair match. I remember the Shaska Watley turn, because I think we heard that when Tony and them were doing 86, right? Yeah, I mean, he, but he did the same with, with, with Manny Fernandez and, he was. He brought in Baron von Raschke. He brought in. Uh, he got Rick Rude. I mean, Paul Jones was always building an army, but the main component of that army was to destroy Jimmy Valiant. And it took a long time before Jimmy Valiant got his comeuppance, and actually got his win over Paul Jones and shaved his head. The hair was. You're a bald headed geek. Mm -hmm. You know, a bald headed geek was the. Oh yeah, he said that so fucking much. It but was the all... ball, that hair was the focus of that feud, and and I'm sorry, you know, but going... how much disrespect is that toward bald people? I mean, 
Do you want to call RJ a bald? Oh, never mind. Hey, <laughs> hey, hey now. Come on. Come my on. Forehead, my forehead's shining pretty good. And I told my wife she quit, Mine, quit taking pictures of the back of my head. But in the 80s, losing your hair was a big deal. We've already established that with just our world class that King Kong Bundy lost his hair. Gary Hart lost his hair. Yeah. Taking the hair in the 80s, because if you'll go back and look uh, at pictures, everybody had mullets and big hair in the 80s. What's his name? Uh, did that match with Piper at WrestleMania? Adrian Adonis. What Adonis, matter? Yeah. Adorable Adrian Adonis. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so that was a big deal in the 80s to lose your hair. Yeah. Buddy Roberts. Buddy Roberts lost his hair to the Iceman. And wore, and wore a wig with headgear. I mean, so... I just Gino wanted... and Chris, Gino and Chris would lose their hair to the Von Erichs, and they wore, they put masks on after that to keep us from seeing them bald. I'm going to lose my hair to nature here pretty soon. So yeah. what happens? Embrace yeah, nature. It. Embrace nature's it. undefeated. <laughs> well, no, Man, nature's nature undefeated more. right here. Nature's hey, undefeated here. So Kurt Angle, put... Kurt Angle was losing his, and he, they even took it with a hair match. So yeah. versus Edge. Uh, so I, I got my cursor there, boys at uh, 15 i'd agree um, with that spot for it what do you think dave man i that's where it goes yeah. yeah i think it's a little better i think it was a hotter feud but it was i mean it was a it was a mid-card feud like kevin owens and Sami Zayn, but it sold some tickets yeah it yeah. sold some tickets for 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 more than i mean for a couple years sure this was no, this was a year-long i mean this was a couple year blood feud sure I, I would really suggest you guys go back and watch. What, what do you say, Dave? Probably about 86, 85, give or take there in NWA for see this. Late game? 85. Oh, 85, 86. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. Definitely. Yeah. Head over to the NWA there on, uh, on, um, but I remember Jimmy Valiant would always come out. Willie, Willie. Yeah. I mean, it just, it was always against Paul Jones though. 85, 80, 80, uh, 85 turning into 86, I would have been turning one years old. So I had just started puberty and uh, I was doing, doing good back then. They eventually gave Paul Jones, Rick Rude, and Manny Fernandez, and he was off to the races. Well, I mean, actually, of... actually won the world tag team titles on TBS. I do love those three together. And I remember that. That was an 86 thing, I believe. Um, I think the feud went on long. I think it was a long, drawn out feud to the point where you would get yeah. to. My God, is there anybody else? I mean, this man's obsessed with Jimmy Valiant. And speaking of Rick Rude, that's going to lead into my pick of the week, RJ. In my final meeting with the gods from the heavens above, as they spoke to me and hit me with the power of the ultimate warrior, they told me there are no more places to hide. There are no more places for the ravishing Rick Rude to run. The darkness and the cold areas that he has looked for are no longer there. At SummerSlam, ravishing Rick Rude, I will lift you into the darkness and drop you into the cold, fragile world of the ultimate warrior, and I will pin you one Two, three. Come on, warrior. Come on. Come on, warrior. Give it to me. Come on, warrior. You're nothing. Come on. Come on. Stay on me. Stay on me. Stay on me. It's yours. It's yours if you want it. It's yours. Warrior. You think of me day and night. Not just because I'm the one and only man who's ever beaten you for a title. But you hear the footsteps. You hear the footsteps, 
and you know who they belong to, don't you, Warrior? I Justin, so we just heard there from Rick Rude and the Ultimate Warrior. I tried to find the best promo possible. It, it was hard, so it was so hard. At least the good thing about it was it was so short that I didn't yeah, have to do too much. Nobody editing. needs a long Warrior promo, um, unless we wanted to hear about the moon and the stars and the and the spirits and all that kind of stuff. Um, I, you know, I love this feud. I to me, Rick Rude is a top three or four heel ever for me. Yes um so underrated he didn't get yeah. he didn't get the flowers and not only as a heel but as a worker a fucking fantastic worker and you know Rude. you're a great worker dave when you are considered the guy that got the best matches out of the ultimate warrior and i think that is rick rude if you look at this feud starting at wrestlemania four dave when they have the intercontinental match where rick uh Bobby holds, and that might have been five. Was it four or five? Bobby holds Warrior's uh, feet down on the mat after he suplex Rude and Rude pins him and wins the Intercontinental title from Warrior. Right. And, and then we go to the SummerSlam cage match later on for the world title. Um, in 90, I think that would have been the summer of 90. So... Yeah, I think this feud lasted a few years. Um, Bobby was involved in it. To me, this is Warrior's best feud. Now, people can talk about Hogan. That wasn't a feud. That wasn't a feud. That was just a WrestleMania match. That was a match. Yeah. So, to me, I think... Root's the only one that ever got... uh, that that was competitive against the Warrior. Yeah. Yeah. He actually had a good, decent match with him. And yes. they had competitive matches. He beat him for the Intercontinental title. They had very competitive matches for the world title. Um, and man, I wish they would have put the world title title on Rude just once around yeah. this time. Because everyone talks about what heel could have been, other than Macho Man, what heel could have been champion in this 89, 90, 91 Hogan era. To me, it's Rick Rude, bro. Sure. If, Even if more I had to eliminate... Rude. If I had to eliminate either Rick Rude or Randy Savage from wrestling history, I would re- I would remove Savage before I would remove Rude. Ooh, that's tough for me because I love Randy Savage too. Oh, I'm not I'm not I mean I'm just saying that that's the choice. That's how much I like Rick Rude, and Rick Rude was a good heel. You you want to know why he was a good heel? Because he was that asshole in real life. He, yeah, he lived it. I mean, he'd go to the he'd go to bars in Dallas when he was here. He go to mm-hmm. bars in Dallas looking for trouble. Yeah, he, he you did not want to tr- fuck with that son of a bitch. He you? wanted trouble. Did you? I mean, we talk about Carrie, and Carrie was probably bigger muscle wise than Rude. But have you seen more of a ripped body than Rick Rude's? You know, in eighty nine, ninety, that motherfucker was his just, transformation. Just shredded. I mean, he, he came through world class when he was Rick Rude, spelled R O O D. Yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. he was a beanpole. I mean, if you look at him mm-hmm. on Old Mid South the same way. He, yeah. His transformation happened in Florida when he got with Percy Pringle, became Southern champion, right prior to coming to world class. That's when he I'll became play. Rick Rude, R-U-D-E. RJ has got the ranking here at 14. I think he's in the right area, but I think I could put this at 13. Dave, what do you think? What do you think, Dave? Yes, I think it's... 13? 
13 or 12. Yeah. We'll meet in the I'm middle. Gonna, I think I'm, I'm going to vote for 13 just I because that Hardy's Edge Christian's Dudley's thing. It couldn't go up. any higher. No. Yeah. No. That's about where it goes. Yeah. <clears throat> well, who would have thought that Ultimate Warrior would actually make a rankings list of well, rivalries? Th here's the thing. And I like Ultimate Warrior. It's a wrestling Warrior. list. This is a rivalry list. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Uh, so this week we're adding Rick Rude versus Ultimate Warrior 13. Uh, Jimmy Valiant and Paul Jones at 16. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn at 17. This, uh, this list is growing, guys. Uh, we got a uh, few more left. I think uh, we, we said 25. We may, uh, may increase that and put it to 50. Didn't we do yeah. 100 on the songs? We did a hundred on the song, so we may go to fifty on. Uh, let's yeah. let's let's go until we're just being ridiculous with who we're coming up with. That's right. Yeah, that's a good. Let's let this one play out, guys. Yeah, because this is really it, you actually have to uh, uh, really put thought behind it. Yes. Because this is not something where you can just throw music against the wall and see if it sticks. It works. Hey, what the fuck? If not, it's just shit. Uh, but uh, anyway, next week we'll move a little bit forth. Uh, to uh, to next week, gentlemen, uh, we are actually going to be going over the December eleventh, nineteen eighty two edition of WCCW, continuing this train towards Christmas, guys. Uh, aired on the eleventh, was taped on the third of December. Uh, we have our main event here. Is Kevin Von Erich your NWA American Champion in a non title match, taking on King? kong bundy uh, so we're gonna see bundy again which is uh hopefully it didn't add too much weight still a uh, money bundy still a monday <laughs> um but dave what uh what's something that you remember from this show on the 11th uh, or if anything do you want me to run down this card real quick so you know what it is i, was, I think yeah i was trying to read the spoiler versus jose lothario i'm looking I'm, I'm looking to forward to that because I've never watched the Jose Lothario match. Hey, and let me tell y'all something. Um, Sion, that's the NWA national champion right now. Who um, you refereed this weekend. I did referee. And you know, when I looked at him in the I ring, that man. I, I saw the spoiler. Yeah. yeah. I saw the spoiler. He's got something. That guy, that guy good, is. Good worker. Good worker. He was. Mm-hmm. Right, was, so, our second, uh, so our second match is going to be a six-man tag match. Bugs McGraw, Al Madrid, and Brian Adi or, what did you say, Adidas? We'll call Brian Adidas. 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 Uh, taking on I'm the great Adidas, Kabuki. <laughs> yeah. Great Kabuki, Magic Dragon, and Checkmate. Checkmate was an interesting... I want to say Checkmate was less Thatcher. I think we, it was. We can, uh, we can Checkmate ask... was, a, was a very interesting, interesting wrestler. They put they put him as the TV champion, Les Thornton, Les Thornton, and uh, it was like he was the man of a thousand holds. Holy, he wow. had a he had a counter for everything. And well, really... he wasn't good enough because I know a guy that had a thousand and four. He uh, <laughs> passed away passed away in nine or two thousand nineteen in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Hey, that's a good town. Well, to die in though, but. Bugsy McGraw. This was this was on the Bugsy McGraw. Uh, Bugsy McGraw had been in H and H, and now he was a going against Gary Hart and Armand Hussein. So that's that's the that's the feud is Bugsy versus Armand Hussein. That's 
He's going against H and H, Hart and Hussein. Yeah. And well, like I said, it was main evented there by Kerry Von Eric, your American champion, yeah. non-title match versus uh, Kevin Von Eric. What did I say, Kerry? Kerry. Okay, Kevin Von Eric. I apologize versus Ke- King Kong Buddy. It was called Kevin King Kong Buddy. You um, lose Kevin Von Eric. Um, I, so I did. Bundy won this match. We... Did Bundy win this match? Yeah, he intentionally yeah. Uh, threw him over the rope. Says Sue Blackstein won somehow. I don't know. Yeah. Um, Bundy intentionally tossed Kevin. Okay. Well, wait a minute. When he Obviously, intentionally tossed Kevin over the top rope. He suplexed Kevin back in the ring. Bundy won. Yep. So he didn't get disqualified for throwing Kevin. He got away with it. That's what I was wondering because yeah. Bill Watson ain't running this territory, obviously. Well, <laughs> the, no, well the note, the non-title tells me that Bundy was going over. Yeah, yeah, because non-title. Right. I just want to tell me Bundy was going. Thank you, baby. Before we yeah. jump off here, um, tell her Stephanie. I was getting Stephanie? ready. To tell you, I was getting ready to tell you, Dave. It was good. I got to talk a little basketball with Stephanie this weekend over at the uh, Top Guy Weekend, and. She, I've never got to meet her face to face. I've seen her on Zooms, but extremely lovely lady. And I'm not sure why she's with you, but uh, good for you, Dave. And uh, no, it was great. <laughs> to talk. Got to talk a little. Uh, she coaches basketball, and I used to coach basketball, and I referee basketball. So it was good to get to talk to her about it. She could talk basketball with you all day long. She, oh, yeah. she could talk. She just, she, she's such a good person. And she, let me tell you, she when she talks to people, she genuinely cares about what they're saying. She does. Yeah. When we took our when we took our lift back to the to Midway, she started talking to the lift driver, and he was from Gambia. Uh-huh. And I mean, she got his entire life story. I mean, <laughs> and I mean, when when he got out of the car to get us get our luggage, he got our luggage out of his trunk. She actually hugged him. I mean, yeah. this woman is. I mean, she genuinely likes people. Yeah, she does, and it was so good to finally get to meet her. So tell her it was a pleasure. I will. And She's... RJ, I guess it was okay seeing you again over there, buddy. Hey, ne- ne- hey, if, just remember, next time you need a place to sleep, you can sleep on the freaking lawn. <laughs> I posted this... a picture of the three of us so that everybody could see why this is an audio-only show. <laughs> yeah, well, we're, we're three guys that are gifts gift to thing audio. I'm proud of, one picture I'm proud of this weekend is, I made uh, Polly Bromwell take a picture of me with my Bengals hat, my Bengals shirt on, and I grabbed you and I was pointing at my leg. <laughs> uh, you can take that Schittsburgh Steelers stuff, Polly, and shove it right up your bald ass. <laughs> and, I'll, and we'll see you on Sunday. Yeah, no kidding. But anyways, uh, guys, thank you for tuning in this week. Head over to castby.com uh, slash ringside rant. All the socials are there for the show. Platforms are on. Justin is at JD2040. Pondwater Super Dave. He is at Ref Super Dave PWD. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in this week. Guys, any last thoughts? No. Uh, I think we've covered it all. Just uh, I can't encourage y'all enough to go watch this stuff. Yeah. Go watch this stuff. I mean. What's wild is we covered one match and our show was an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah. I mean, go go watch the storytelling. And I mean, com- yeah. Try to open, be open-minded with, with what was going on then compared to what you're used to now. Sure. And that's what I'm saying, like with Devin's question about does it have to be a – should it have been a – no. It, there's a difference in then and now. Everything doesn't have to be clean. The fans won't, you know, lose – their minds won't blow up like 
fans will now if you don't have a clean finish to a title match. Um, it's a different time period. It just is. And it's not even, they don't, it's not comparable because in this situation, the whole country's watching WWE, right? Actually, the whole world. Uh, what the world is watching. Uh, in this case, this is a Texas promotion that's getting a traveling champion to come in. And the dynamics are way different in that than what we would have now in a world title match. Uh, does that make sense, Dave, in a way? I don't yes. know if I worded that right, but I'm trying to... Well, Flair came in and he took your local guy and he shined him up and made him, made yeah. him more valuable than he was when he got there. So that's why, you know. But they were selling they were selling out 18,000 strong on this feud. Back Flair, then, Flair, back Flair then they make, weren't making any money on TV. They were making their money on selling tickets. Right. And uh, I've got I'll uh, I've got the information. I'll I'll uh, I'll post it to my social the next time. I think RJ I think RJ promotes the show like six times a day. Yeah, I'll re I'll retweet and put what the what the house was. <laughs> I've All got right. I've got I've got pictures of Fritz um, day planner, so I know what the oh, I know awesome. what the I know what the attendance in the house I know what the official attendance and what the who house has. Was. Who has that day planner? Just out of curiosity, do you know? The uh, Dave Milliken. Wow, because I know you know Bruce Pritchard has uh, Bruce Pritchard has them too. Well, he has what's uh, what's his name. You know, he has Bosch's, I know. Well, Bruce Bruce kept a planner. Bruce has got his planners. He's got the same information for, for, for WWF. Yeah. Oh, I know. Yeah. But Dave Milliken has Fritz's, um, Fritz has, has Fritz's day planners. How did he get that? I want to know whose bo boots is his, uh, whose bed is his boots been under to get that? <laughs> but, All right, boys. On, on that note. I'd like to have them. Me too. Myself. Yeah, no kidding. But, guys, thank you for uh, tuning in this week. We'll see you next week right here on the Ringside Ranch.